At this year's Turkish Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton did what Lewis Hamilton does, and that's make history. He wrapped up his seventh Formula One title, matching Michael Schumacher's stunning record. So this edition of ESPN's Formula One podcast is all about Lewis Hamilton, as F1.com's Lawrence Barreto joins me and my gurus, Nate Saunders and Lawrence Edmondson, to talk about the man himself and his achievements on and off the track. Plus, I'll ask them if it's finally time to call Lewis the greatest F1 driver of all time. Well, just like that, the gang is all here. Lawrence Squared, Nate Saunders as well, talking Lewis Hamilton. Um, Lawrence, of course, we're going to have to start with you because you got to speak to the man of the moment, fresh off him, continuing to make history. Um, I saw your post as well. You had a very lovely post about him, and you were saying that he was still ever the the mesmerizing individual that he's always been. But what was that like? Because he he almost seemed a bit different, almost actually letting the emotions sink in this time. I wasn't sure what Lewis Hamilton I was going to get because by the time he got to me, he had spoken to Martin Brundle on the podium, he had spoken to Mark Webber, he'd done TV pen interviews, he'd done the written media, and then he'd done me. So he could have been knackered by the time he got to me. Um, but he was super relaxed. Um, like you said, I think I've been lucky to have known Lewis now for probably 14, 15 years now. And I don't think that he's really changed in some ways. Um, he's the same sort of thoughtful um considered person that he's always been um but he has changed obviously he's matured um and I think he's got a a wider view of the world and I think that's what we've really seen come through this year that it's not just about him being an athlete and being the best at his sport it's about what he can do with the platform that he's given himself with this immense amount of success in Formula One. I mean, we were just watching that um, as well clearly and we spoke about it on our podcast reaction after and we were saying that it's not just that he's won seven, you know, Formula One titles, but in it's the way in which he manages to pull them off. We just sheer dominance. And, and I know it almost sounds like I'm discrediting him when I says it looks like, you know, it doesn't take that much effort from him because he does say um, time and time again, he has said it, you know, to you that this has been a challenging year and they've had challenging races and challenging tracks. And you're like, really? But you still are absolutely a massive cut above everybody else. You know, how do you manage to do that? Is that something that kind of, um, I suppose, leaves you a little bit in awe, you know, of this Lewis Hamilton that we're seeing, especially now in 2020? Definitely. I asked him that question. He laughed, really, because I don't think he really knows how he manages to do it. Um, In some ways, I think he feels like he uses Formula One as a a way to express himself and kind of get away from everything. And then he can go away and use the rest of his energy to go and change the world effectively through, you know, pushing for more equality, for more diversity. He's obviously got his fashion line that he works on. He's trying to do spend more time with his music. And he seems to be able to compartmentalise in his head um, all of those different projects and not let any one of them slip. And I think that's probably what the most impressive thing for me is about Lewis Hamilton is his mental capacity, especially this year in COVID times. He's been spending in a bubble with his trainer, Angela, and it's just been them two. And it must be really difficult mentally. We've all experienced it during these COVID times of not life not being normal. And yet he comes to a racetrack and he's doing exactly what he's done every year that he's been with Mercedes and actually he's even better this year 10 10 wins out of 14 races I just don't get it I don't know how he does it I think that's what's so brilliant about Lewis Hamilton I mean to be a champion they do say that you have to have that mental fortitude and Lewis Hamilton definitely does have that one as well and I said in, in this episode we're definitely going to um, go back down memory lane I suppose for you guys um, from your earliest memories of Lewis probably your most favorite memories of Lewis as well and answer the big question that we're now asking which is how much more numbers records can he make and break down you know and what does this mean for everyone else and is it I don't want to say too soon but is it time to start calling him the goat the greatest of all time because let's be honest numbers wise it's getting there it's already been there for certain stats but you know for the world championship stats I mean it's probably only a matter of next year before we start talking about that but um Lawrence Nate I know you saw Lawrence number one's interview <laughs> with um, Lewis there and I know that you guys had um, some thoughts on it too what did you think of how how Lewis just was this entire weekend well throughout the year he's he's been that extra level and it's interesting that yeah Lawrence mentions the time he's taken with COVID I think what's most impressive about that is that he's used it as a positive at least this is what he said that 
you know, he's taken that time and instead of moving from fashion show to racetrack to engineering briefing to whatever he was doing in previous years, this year he's had time to sit down, think about what's really important and start to plan long term. And I think what you saw a little bit in, in the interview that Lawrence did and we've seen throughout the year is that he's looking at this legacy, he's looking at what comes next, uh, he's looking at, you know, what he can do with this position that he's earned. You know, he's become a seven-time world champion, which is so rare. Only one person's done it before in the history of the sport. And now he's got an opportunity, and the fact that he's realised this, that he has this opportunity right now, to be more than that as well, to take that achievement and build on it in any direction he wants. And I think recognising that and also having the kind of flexibility within his mind to, to think about that at this stage it, it is mightily impressive because just beating some of those other guys is, is a pretty hard job. I know we always say, well, the Mercedes is that much quicker and everything, but the level that he competes at and the effort he puts in behind the scenes, which I don't think always gets the recognition it should do, uh, <coughs> is massively impressive. So to, on top of that, start to build uh, you know, more of this kind of empire, this Lewis Hamilton empire of incorporating all these different things Things like, you know, he's still interested in fashion, he's still interested in music, he's dedicated a bit more of his time to music this year. Uh, but then the important stuff as well, you know, the world-changing stuff, and that's, you know, massively impressive. And I, it, it's almost hard for us to continue to convince people that this is, this is something very special, but it is. And uh, I think it's exciting, because we just don't know exactly where he's going to end up next. A couple of weeks ago, we were like, is he still going to be in F1? And he keeps us on his toes, and he keeps the stories flowing in Formula 1, and I think that's a great thing for the sport, but it's also starting to become a great thing outside the school. And Nate, what did you think of how Lewis was? Because um, again, he did speak really candidly as well to Lawrence. Yeah, the two Lawrences have stolen all my talking points there. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, and, and I just reiterate what they both say. I think it's so impressive who he's become. If you think about Lewis, even of a few years ago, he, I think he still does it occasionally, but he would sometimes be his own worst enemy in terms of the things he could say or sometimes the, I suppose, the hills he chose to die on, you could say. Like, you know, there's been times when he's got himself into a controversial situation or he said something that has escalated the situation and they just seem to distract him from the ultimate goal in Formula 1, which is winning the championship. And he's so calm at the moment. You know, he, he just seems to deal with setbacks completely differently. I do think he's viewing F1 much differently now than he may have done a few years ago, given what has happened this year. And that is kind of, for anybody, any of the other 19 drivers trying to beat him, that must be pretty terrifying because he was already pretty good before he did all that stuff. And now he's in this headspace where, you know, he just seems completely at ease with himself, who he is, is as a driver, etc. You can't see anyone beating him, especially not if he's in the front-running car as well. Even if he wasn't in that front-running car, if he was in Max's car, you'd still think, well, this guy probably could still win enough races next year to, to challenge for the title. So, yeah, I, I think everyone who heard that when he said, I've, I feel like I'm just getting started, must have thought, like, hang on. You're meant to be at the end of your career. Like, what the hell does <laughs> what does that mean? Like, you, you could still be going for five, ten years. So, um, yeah, just really impressive to see how he's um, kind of developed and evolved over these past few years, especially this season, as as Lawrence Squared both uh, both said. Well, I was just going to say that because now that we we can start and go down memory lane um, before we continue to talk about Lewis the man, I guess off the track. I mean. We'll just like to say, disclaimer, that we'll refer to our Lawrence as Lasnaldo. That's your new name. Um, and that way we can give Lawrence with a W. <laughs> He's been called worse. But Lasnaldo's a pretty pretty cool name there. I like that one. And I'm taking all the credit for it. But Lawrence, let's start with you then. Because um, I go back to your post and you put up a nice little evergreen photo of a very young Lewis Hamilton and a very young Lawrence. We're still all young, though. We're going to say that. Thanks. Um, but a very green one, I suppose, both starting out in um, both our industries. What was what was it like? Was that your first encounter with him? Or what was your first encounter or encounters with Lewis Hamilton and just seeing the growth that he's made to now? So the first time I met Lewis was in Hungary 2006 when he was in GP2. Um, I had entered a competition called the Bridgestone E-Reporters and, and the race that I got to go to was this the Hungarian Grand Prix. And so I got to interview him on that weekend and I remember walking back to the paddock in the GP2 paddock at that point. It's nothing like a Formula 1 paddock. It's just a series of tents where the cars are parked and then you've got trays with the tools at the back of the garage and everyone basically hangs out in there. And I remember we were sat on, sat on top of those toolboxes at the back of the garage just having an interview just quite casually, you didn't have to like organise interviews at that stage. 
and I and his dad I remember his dad kind of standing a couple of steps back kind of just keeping an eye on what we were chatting about but never really like jumping in and having like having his say or telling Lewis to to stop talking or anything like that and I just remember thinking how mature Lewis was in what he was saying and how he was expressing himself but also just the the sheer frustration at just the little things that had gone wrong that weekend and the little details that he was talking about and wanting to change and I think when you he said in a video that I saw when he was a kid at Carton he was it was all about like arrive and drive and not really think about the other things that you've got to do to succeed but already in GP2 and I'm I'm pretty confident most GP2 drivers aren't like this or F2 drivers now he was all about the homework he was all about spending time trying to find any gain he could anywhere else over anyone else even if he believed he was the most talented and I think it's when his time that he was in GP2 that he was putting those steps in place meant that that's why he was so explosive when he's coming to Formula 1 and why he just keeps raising the level to the point 14, 15 years later. I think he just refuses to be beaten and he refuses to think he's ever perfect and I think that's quite an impressive thing to do for an athlete and for a sports person and a role model I think that's the best that you can be and I think that's what one of the many things that impresses me most about Lewis. Lazanaldo, Nate, what about you guys? What were your first experiences like? Because I'm, I'm hoping for some young green photos of um, very young Nates and, and Lawrence's as well. Um, yeah, I might, might disappoint you on that because I do have a photo of Lewis from 2006, but I was taking the photo and he was on track testing the McLarens. So it was his first test in a Formula One car. And um, back then, uh, my parents, well, they still do actually live very close to Silverstone. So I would, for test days where you could get in for like a tenner, I used to go along and take my camera and some sandwiches and sit there by myself like a bit of a lonely, sad anorak that I was, really no but mate. still am. Um, and that was uh, that was special because at the time we, you know, we kind of knew about Lewis. Uh, by then, uh, he was he'd either already won the GP2 series by then, or he was very close to it. And um, there was talk about him getting the drive. I think there was even talk about him getting a. Uh, a go in the McLaren at the end of 2006 because uh, uh, memory serves McLaren were playing with Avadrai had Montoya left midway through that year I can't remember but there was something about it anyway and there was a chance he would get in I think they put De La Rosa in the car instead but then it was the year after that he made his debut and um, yeah seeing him then uh, you already kind of knew there was something special there the yellow helmet was instantly identifiable and had you know, kind of connotations of Senna and all this kind of stuff in a McLaren. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic to watch. So um, I'm quite, quite pleased I got that. And I've got a photo of him with, yeah, this opposite lock on. So the car is completely sideways, uh, which is probably one of the few mistakes he made that day. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, and then before that, I think the first time Lewis Hamilton's name came onto my radar was uh, around 2004 and the Macau Grand Prix then when uh, I think I watched the qualifying race which he won but then the actual race he had a collision with guess who Nico Rosberg and I don't, I don't think I actually watched that but I've since read about it so yeah I, I remember for, for a while we knew that this guy was going to be a big deal and we knew he had the McLaren backing and uh, it was quite clear quite early on that he could go an awfully long way and would almost certainly make F1 and then yeah that happened big time in 2007 and he took it from there Well, you meant to save the best till last, which you haven't done here, because mine, <laughs> mine isn't as good as those two. Um, so I can remember testing 2015, uh, being the, you know the first time in a press conference with Lewis. Lewis is one of those guys, a bit like a bit like Kimmy, a bit like Fernando, in that there's just something about them when they're when they're talking that you you kind of get you kind of get hooked on what they're saying, and I remember that quite vividly with him. Um, to be honest, in ESPN, Lawrence, uh, sorry, Lasnaldo has kind of been our Lewis correspondent, so he's done the majority of the Lewis stuff. So it means that. Um, I've got a few memories of chatting to Lewis and one of them, I think I was actually sat next to Lawrence Barreto. We had a round table in Sochi one year with Lewis. Uh, I remember, I think it was about maybe 10 of us. And weirdly, the thing that sticks in my head the most is at the beginning, he went around shaking everyone's hand and Lewis has like a death grip handshake. Um, he grabs your hand and shakes it like three times. But I remember looking at my hand afterwards thinking like, I might have broken a bone in there and it wasn't done kind of in an aggressive way it was just a really good handshake and for some reason that has just stuck with me and if you watch him give handshakes I always think that I'm like that that is a good handshake um I think that says a lot about a person but um but back then if you compare him to now 
there was still a lot of doubt. You could see self-doubt in the way he was about things. He didn't seem as confident as he does now, and that was only five years ago. So again, it speaks to what we were saying earlier about how much he's changed as a person. And it's just, it's so clear in the way he's driving as well that that, that doubt used to creep into what, what he used to do driving-wise. Um, but yeah, I can't remember any standout moments like the other two guys can, but it, I think all of us would agree that he's changed so much as a person that that's kind of what stands out whenever you did meet him before say 2019 I, I guess and I think we can all agree on that firm handshake as well I've, I've had a couple of those and you, yeah it sticks in the mind I don't, was he doing that in GP2 Lawrence when, when you first met him uh, no it wasn't that handshake wasn't as strong as uh, when it became what it became in Formula 1 so maybe it's something okay. you picked up along the way Wow, I need to I need to see this or feel this strong handshake, but I'll I'll probably like do some bicep curls or something before because you can't have a weak handshake. I know that's a boy thing though because you know you'll probably see. My brother always tells me and my dad always tells me make sure you have a strong handshake. But I don't think I shake many hands these days, also because it's a pandemic. So <laughs> yeah, it's a lost it's, it's a lost art form now. I think it is but, a lost you know, art Lewis form. Is definitely good at it. it. Bring back the st- shock. Lewis is good at something else. <laughs> Bring back the strong handshake. But Lawrence, I think one of the nice stories um, that he he told you as well, or kind of went back down memory lane with you in um, that recent interview after Turkey was, um, again, when he was just getting started and getting into um, McLaren and whatnot, and how they almost set out a plan for him to, to be able to get into Formula One. And it, it was almost a bit daunting, he said, you know, that if he didn't, basically follow it to a T and then win by the end of a certain year, then they would just move on. They, they, they would flat out tell him he's not cut out for Formula One. And he said that he basically put the pressure on himself to not just, you know, go with that plan, but to overachieve in that plan. And he said, you know what, I'm going to try and just win this race earlier on. And that would probably just give them, you know, they couldn't say anything to him after that. He said he went after it, though, didn't win, but came in second. And then he said he felt that everyone was like, all right, this guy's a real deal. Um, for you, what was that like, I suppose? When did you have that this guy's a real deal kind of moment? Um, I suppose when I, when I saw him in GP2 in that, in that race in Turkey where he fought back um, to finish second after the spin, he talks in that interview actually quite eloquently about what was racing through his mind when he was basically facing the wrong way and cars were kind of flying past him and... He thought, oh, well, it's all over now. I think his ability to not let anything get to him was impressive. I don't think it was really until maybe 2007 when he was with McLaren and racing against Fernando Alonso that I was more certain that he was going to be a great because he went up against Fernando Alonso and uh, was beating him, but more importantly, was riling him, was getting upset, and not many people managed to get underneath Fernando Alonso's skin. Um, so I think that's probably that around the time that I was most impressed by Lewis, or I thought that this was someone who was going to be pretty special. He obviously then had that period of time at McLaren where he struggled um, after he'd won the title, and it and everyone thought that when he moved to Mercedes, he'd made the wrong decision. And so I think people often forget they see Lewis dominating now at Mercedes, but he had so many years where he was really struggling. He was on only one title. I don't know that sounds ridiculous, but he was on only one title. And people are thinking, okay, maybe he's not as great as we thought he was going to be. And here we are uh, a few years later. He's won six out of seven uh, titles uh, with Mercedes. And we're talking about him as a great. And I think that's why sometimes it's quite frustrating when people... um, criticise Lewis for being in the best car because I think that it's not just about that it's about him always like you said earlier taking his opportunities always wanting to overachieve always want to be the best and we saw you know there have been good drivers in that car Nico Rosberg won the title in that car Valtteri Bottas is a very strong driver Nico Rosberg had to stop racing after he won the title because it all got too much for him and Lewis has done this what six out seven times I think that People need to give Lewis more credit um, for it because just because he's in the best car, you still have to go and take that opportunity. And that's true. I feel like that's um, probably one of the number one things for people to to go to and criticise. And that's, uh, well, you know, he's only as good as his car and he's got the best car um, ever right now or in the world, I suppose. So, so of course, it's going to be easy for him. Um, Nate, I know that's something that we have another show at ESPN called Mute Me. And we actually threw Nate uh, in the deep end and made him 
have to argue in favor of Lewis Hamilton being only as good as his car. And we know it was actually quite difficult. But Nate, that is a criticism that we hear a lot of times, probably from the haters that, you know, do come up with anything. Um, but for you, what was your real deal moment for Lewis that I guess also proves that he is more than just a car? Yeah, I think 2007 is is the easy one to point to. Kind of growing up in the UK, there was a real buzz, and you know, Lawrence Squared will be able to remember this uh, as well. That when Lewis came in, I think people knew he was good, and there was this feeling that okay, this guy give him a few years and he might win the championship. But before you knew it, he was in the championship, and then he was leading the championship. The one that stands out wasn't winning in Canada. He then won the next race, uh, Indianapolis, and he you know completely riled Alonso at that race. And that was when you suddenly thought, like, this guy could actually win the championship in his rookie season. He then won Japan that year, 2007, in the rain. And that's when it's... See, I remember everybody uh, at Sixth Form College was just like, that at the weekend was amazing, you know. And there was just this real feeling of this guy's come out of nowhere if you, if you didn't follow the junior categories that closely. So I think that was it. And then Lawrence is right as well because it seemed like he just kind of dropped off a cliff. So it is nice that he's been able to kind of revive that career a bit like that. Um, and it is it is wild because imagine if we were sat here now talking about Lewis being a one-time champion it would have been a bit like Fernando Alonso we would have been saying like only two championships for Fernando Alonso feels like an underachievement given how good he is um, and Lewis was the same as that so Lawrence is completely right to say that um, but yeah I would say that was a real deal moment was the rookie season and again that speaks volumes to how good he's been throughout his career was that he basically jumped in the deep end and was immediately one of the best guys there um, and Fernando Alonso back then, everyone thought was just going to dominate F1. They were like, he's got a rookie teammate. He'll win this championship. He's at McLaren. He'll dominate for a bit. He'll go on the Schumacher run. And Lewis kind of ruined that for <laughs> Fernando. And if you look at what happened to Fernando's career afterwards, it wasn't it, Fernando made all those mistakes, but it was kind of triggered by the fact that he couldn't beat a rookie Lewis Hamilton. So that in itself is a pretty impressive legacy that you basically changed the trajectory of F1, F1's future in 2007 just because you were such a good rookie. Lesnaldo, what about you? What was your real deal moment? Yeah, it's the same. It's and that says so much about Lewis that in his first year, he had everyone thinking that this guy is gonna gonna go a huge huge way. So it's as simple as that. To, to go to the best car argument, I mean, it's it's an argument about Formula One in general. So you know, look at all the greats, and they've all had a very good car. Some drivers have won in cars which, you know, uh, maybe weren't the best car that year or certainly had a strong rival. But, you know, Lewis has done that as well. Uh, there's a, you know, there's a good argument that in 2008, the Ferrari was a match for the McLaren. Um, and I would argue in 2018, as recently as then, Ferrari had the better car. Um, it's just that Lewis was massively consistent and Sebastian Vettel completely dropped the ball. So there's, you know, there's this kind of background argument that goes on. And I really, I just think it's an excuse for people to kind of play down his achievements and probably people that don't really kind of value Formula One as a sport, which is fine. And I often say, well, it's not really a sport. It's better than that. You know, it's an engineering championship as well. And I find that all fascinating. You don't get that in football and so on. So it, it is its own thing and it's, it, it's natural that's the case, but it's also no coincidence. And this is an argument that regularly gets trod out, but it's true. It's no coincidence that Lewis is in the best car. You know, if you ask Mercedes um, at any point from 2013 onwards, who do you want in that car? And let's be honest, since 2014, they've had that choice of anyone on the grid. Any driver would have gone there. Fernando Alonso would have gone there. Sebastian Vettel would have gone there. You know, people would have paid to rip up contracts to go there. And yet the one guy that they've always put in there is Lewis Hamilton. And it says it all. So, you know, he, he deserves to be in that car. And then what he does with it, some of the examples, you only have to look back to last Sunday to see a perfect one of just how good he is when the odds are against him, when that car wasn't actually working particularly well. He was the one that turned it around, didn't make any mistakes while it wasn't working. When it came into the window, he used it to its maximum and won by a significant margin. So there you go, you know, that's the counter argument. You're always gonna have people saying that, but you can make the same argument about Schumacher. You can make the same argument about Senna, certainly in 1988. I mean, that was the most dominant car uh, arguably we've ever seen in Formula One. So it's, uh, it's, it's a bit of a, bit, bit of a twisted argument. And even if you go back to Fangio, 1954-55, he was in the Mercedes, which, guess what, was by far the most dominant car. Um, probably, again, on, on a level greater than the ones that Lewis has had. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an annoying argument that keeps coming up, but we'll keep knocking it back. And, uh, and I think, you know, you've got to appreciate 
Lewis for what it uh, for what he is and uh, and what he does, and he can only beat the guys he goes up against, and he does that week after week. And it's funny seeing in the fourteen years since Schumacher retired the first time. I was a huge Schumacher fan growing up, and this argument used to just drive me mad because it's what people used to say then. And now, if you compare Schumacher to Hamilton, you get a lot of people say like, "How dare you compare Schumacher to?" Hamilton, like Schumacher's so much better than him and it's because you've had time to look back on the guy's career, he's retired and obviously I think a bit like Senna because such a tragic thing has happened to Schumacher I think it, you know, it does also change people's opinions of their career and their legacy If and, and Prost is a great example of that, if you compare how people talk about Prost compared to Senna, there's a massive difference there and Prost won a, a championship extra, I know Senna, you know, his career was cut short and stuff like that but the way people look at careers is very different um, depending on what's happened to you I think, so give Hamilton a few years once he's retired I think people will assess him completely differently which is frustrating because it's almost like you have to wait until someone's checked out before you say like oh actually this guy was really good even though it's completely obvious that he's one of the greatest ever yeah so I was saying you never know what you have till it's gone that's what I tell my ex all the time but moving on Lawrence back to you Lawrence with a W um, you know something my dad always likes to say is that you it's easy to get to the top but it's harder to stay there and it's remarkable how Lewis Hamilton has done that, especially given all the other things that he has going on in his life that he chooses to do as well. But still how, you know, people sometimes if he has a bad day and a rare bad day, they'd be like, oh, it's because he's too focused on X or Y or Z off the track. But he really has found a way to stay at the top, which we know can mentally be so draining as well. Why do you think he's been able to do it so flawlessly or, or almost flawlessly? So I think in that interview, it was a really good example of what Lewis is like as a person. He's just super relaxed. I think he, he, he seems to be able to bat things away and absorb this pressure in a way that most people, let alone sports people, can do. Um, his consistency is incredible. And so I suppose that gives him the foundation that he knows that as long, even if he has a bad day, he's still going to do all right. And I think that that kind of probably gives him the confidence to, to kick on even more. Um, but I just think he's hugely motivated. Um, he just <clears throat> loves driving a racing car um, and he immensely believes in his ability um, as a racing driver and he believes that if he does everything that he can to the best of his ability and gets all the right people around him and sufficiently motivates the people around him and, and has a good team of people, he can win <clears throat> anything that he, you know that he puts his mind to. And that's why he's not just successful in Formula 1, he's successful in basically everything he does, <laughs> which is is quite extraordinary really um he doesn't really seem to have many weaknesses um and i suppose for his rivals the concerning thing is that like we said earlier in the show he keeps he thinks that he's getting better um and he's you know he's not peaked yet um he feels like there's things that he can learn um he he wants to go away this winter and, and sit down and think about all the things that he can improve on like he says his communication in that interview isn't good enough he isn't sure whether his attitude when he goes into the office and he sometimes has bad days He's not sure if that's good enough. The fact that he's still working on things to improve and dominating in this fashion is terrifying for his rivals and <coughs> quite an extraordinary when you try and look at what he's achieving at the moment. And one thing with Lewis as well that I think is it comes from that mindset is that one thing that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, I think, is the way Lewis can sometimes come across when he doesn't win or when things don't go his way it can come across as he's a very bad sport or he you know he's just a bit grumpy or but that comes from what Lawrence was saying is that he's so wired to win that I think when he doesn't he just it's very difficult to understand it and there's been times when he's finished second and he's actually opened up a championship lead over someone else and you look at him on the podium and you're like dude you know you've just driven an F1 car around for a weekend you finished second but in his head he's like well I didn't finish first and he'll be thinking about all the ways he could have finished first and that's not just him. If you look at people like LeBron James, I mean, Michael Jordan was famous for that. Like he would obsess over all the things he did badly in matches. And that is what made him so great. You know, they'd say, here was your stat line. He's like, no, the stat line I'm going through is how many three throws I missed during the game. You know, how many times I didn't pass when I should have passed. And it's what makes great people or great athletes into that tier. And I think that you can see it with Lewis. And you don't have to like it when he's when he's like that either. You know, it, it can be frustrating, but I think it, it does speak to why he's why he's probably uh, excelled the way he has because if he was just like oh I finished second I'm fine with it you know most people that do that don't end up uh, achieving the excellence that they could otherwise I know some people will view it you know they'll be happy with second or some will say well that's just the first loser and I think that that's something that it's obvious with with Lewis that he's such a perfectionist and I remember it stood out when I spoke to um, Nick Hamilton his brother just a few weeks ago and he said that you know from a very early age 
Lewis has always been, he says the difference between them, um, even though obviously Lewis is a big brother and you almost expect your big brother to be a bit more bolder than you are. But he says Lewis is when he has, when he's a man on a mission and when he's on that mission, he, he doesn't care who he has to tick off to get his points across or to get his uh, mission accomplished. And not in a bad way. Obviously, he's not trying to tick off people, but he just gets so focused and so consumed to get the job done that um, he just sees nothing else. It's it, it's like tunnel vision, you know. And it's like you said that you're almost, you beat yourself up for it. And that obviously comes off as arrogant or whatever. But um, I think it's just a way to see how Lois has, has truly just managed that throughout this career i mean it's mentally as you're saying the fortitude must be absolutely outrageous because we see how much how many athletes struggle with it and probably don't even come back from it or regular people and at the end we'd like to think he still is <laughs> human or just human even though he like michael jordan and the likes of messi and usain bolt just seem like those freaks of nature that were put on this earth to to do these amazing things but um in terms of back in the car before we quickly talk about lewis off the track what's been your favorite, I suppose, race for you guys, um, for whatever reason, you know, it could be from Lewis, he didn't even have to win, you know, but you probably saw something in him. Um, and I know there's not many where he didn't win, especially in recent times, but what's been your favorite year uh, race so far from Lewis? Uh, we'll start with Lazonaldo. Okay, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a long list, um, but I, I'm gonna sure. go for a personal favorite, which hopefully will differ from the other two. Um, and that's Bahrain 2014, uh, which isn't always remembered as a great Lewis race, but it was a great battle with Nico Rosberg. And um, there, I think, you know, we saw signs of his amazing racecraft, his ability to position the car to make a pass at the <coughs> next corner. And uh, it kind of nicely teed up uh, that Rosberg rivalry, kind of really lit the touch paper on it. And um, also kind of is quite uh, symbolic of the whole rivalry because... Lewis came out on top. <laughs> you know, he, he, it, they, they both kind of fought incredibly hard. They both left nothing on the table. Yet it was an example where Lewis's talent uh, tipped the edge, and there was no best car argument in that uh, in that particular race because they were in identical cars going for the race win. Uh, they had slightly different strategies, but um, but still, it was uh, it was fantastic to watch. So um, that's the kind of racing that I'd love to see week in week out. Even if you even if it's a case where there's one team that's dominant. It can still be hugely exciting, and then, yeah, there were. I think we saw a lot of Lewis's uh, natural ability coming out. I was, um, I was thinking Bahrain 2014, but um, I'm sorry if this is stolen one from um, Lawrence because it is quite an obvious one. But Germany 2018, a couple of years ago, was, um, yeah, it looks like. Sorry, Lawrence, <laughs> but it, it it really stands out because so much happened in that race that basically we've been talking about with Lewis that. He had a setback early in the weekend, so I think it was there was engine issues that he had started towards the back of the grid. That race is famous for Vettel crashing out, which again happened because Lewis just came into his own in that race, was chipping away at the gap, and I've always just thought that Vettel just basically cracked in that situation. I think that that's pretty well established now, and that again, not a lot of drivers can make you do that. And then at the restart, uh, he got past Bottas and then stayed in front of him. And in the course of this day, we'd gone in there thinking, well, you know, Lewis is on the ropes. And like Lawrence said earlier, Ferrari that year, we were all thinking we're going to win the championship. It seemed like that's where the season was going. Um, and yeah, and then you left. I remember all of us leaving. We were completely drenched from <laughs> from that week in the paddock. And you left and you thought, how on earth has Lewis not only taken a step ahead of the championship, but he's taken 25 points out of Vettel. And the whole mood of the season and really the whole mood of like the Formula 1 from that point I think changed because I don't think Vettel's ever been the same since that weekend but for Lewis as well you look at him and he's never been you, he's not had the same weaknesses he had before that weekend and it just seems that something clicked so for me I think that that will stand out as, as his best race both from a performance point maybe not from a performance point of view because there's so many but from what it did for him and what it did for everything around him and Formula 1 etc I think it was massive um but maybe Lawrence can add something to that because I think I just stole his his pick. No, <laughs> actually, it's, 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 it's okay it. to agree if you want to. You know, we, we don't yeah, have yeah, to yeah. agree on everything. But I just didn't want I didn't I didn't want it to seem like Lawrence had come on the show and then just stole an idea because usually I do that. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was actually a look of relief because you didn't pick my one. My one's going to be two thousand eight, oh. the British Grand Prix, um, when he won in the wet. Um, I know that wet, wet weather wet, god. I think so. I know that wet weather races. 
um, for some might not be a fair representation of, of drivers because a, a good car can make a difference as well as, as the driver. But I just think his performance there um, was extraordinary when his main title rival, Felipe Massa, was spinning all over the place and having an absolute shocker. So I think that for me, that race was incredible because he demonstrated on intermediate tyres when it was raining. Um, he managed to keep it on track and he, he won that race uh, with an ability that I thought really marked him out as as a great and that was one of many races that year that really made him made that title his at the end of the year I know that he had some fortune as it turned out but with drives like that you can't say that he didn't deserve it and he's gone on to do so many great races in wet conditions um, probably learning lessons from that race that he applied last weekend in Turkey on in, in very tricky conditions I think it's his experience and his ability to learn and use every opportunity um, to make himself better that is that makes him such a great racing driver. And that race was known as well for Massa spinning so much, and that is what Bottas was doing at the weekend. And yeah. I was thinking this the other day that at some of Lewis's best wet weather performances, and again Germany 2018, Vettel mm-hmm. spun out in the rain. That has really stood out for him because his rivals have made really basic-looking errors when he's just been completely like untouchable. Um, I was going to add another one, which is Brazil 2016, I think, which everyone remembers for Max Verstappen being amazing. But that race, they kept restarting it in the rain, and Lewis just kept like disappearing. And it looked like Rosberg had never driven a car on you know, on a wet road before. He was so <laughs> cautious in that. He needed to win the championship, uh, so he was doing what he needed to, needed to do. But Lewis in that was just basically driving a different Grand Prix to everyone else. So he really does stand out on those conditions. Which again, something Schumacher did, something Senna did, which kind of bolsters that argument even further that he is one of the greats. Ooh, one of the greats. We'll get to that conversation in a <laughs> bit if it should just be the great S. But um, moving on now, because again, it would be we could not talk about Lewis just on the track because I believe that he's just one of the few athletes in this world that almost transcends the sports. I mean, you talk about like a Michael Jordan, you talk about, I know some people may laugh at me for saying this, but like a David Beckham, for better or for worse, some people almost forget he was a a footballer for Manchester United because what isn't his face on, you know, even now, just those kind of um, people or or figures that they do just possess that that aura about them, that presence no matter what. And, And then at the end of the day, you just forget, oh, he's quote unquote just an athlete. But Lewis is definitely... Um, someone like that and and someone that manages to do it so wonderfully and perfectly Uh, for you guys what's been some of I suppose his most influential achievements off the track um, for you I'll I'll jump in and start Um, and maybe this doesn't entirely count as off the track but the very fact he is where he is and what was happening in go-karting you know when he often references the fact he was the only or his family were the only black family turning up at the go-kart track and He's also said that he looked up at Formula One, you know, he watched Ayrton Senna, he was his hero. But there was no one in Formula One, you know, who represented him, really. And so to go and do that, regardless of, of, you know, all of that, with abuse, which he said he received throughout, you know, that's massively impressive. And it's something which I think he draws upon regularly. And uh, this is something he's talked about for many years that, you know, uh, not, not so much on the race side, but just the the struggle that his family faced to get him into go-karting in the first place, to get the support they needed, the jobs his dad took on, the pressure that put on him. I mean, imagine any kid where your dad is working three or four jobs to make sure you can go and do your hobby. And then all of a sudden it becomes quite clear that your hobby is actually, you know, the financial security of your family going forward. That's huge pressure. And, you know, he was in his, in his teens at that time. So early teens as well. So yeah, for, for, for that, that, I think that's the basis of, of what a lot of everything else has, has, has come from. And um, there was a very good quote from Toto Wolf the other day, just to kind of underline this point, uh, where he said he was talking to Lewis and Lewis said to Toto, have you ever kind of been in a position in your working life where you've been conscious of the fact you're white? And Toto said, no. And then Lewis said, well, I'm conscious of the fact I'm black every day of my working life. And, you know, that's that, that's something... Uh, that I can't uh, begin to understand. And I think a lot of people in Formula 1 can't begin to understand. But something that he's uh, not only dealt with and come out as the very best, uh, he's also uh, then started to use it uh, this year to, you know, to to really change things in the world. And I'll, I'll then hand over to the other two because I suspect 
those uh, initiatives that you started this year might might feature in this conversation? I think, um, yeah, I think you're right, Lawrence, in, in everything that you say. I think what has impressed me most is is using that profile and having the capacity to to spend time when he might be should be in engineering meetings, going around to all the drivers at a racetrack and, and trying to educate them about some of the the things that he wants to put, whether it's sustainability, maybe whether it's equality, maybe whether it's diversity, and, and sitting down with them and trying to explain from his point of view why it's so important to him. And he, the fact that he's taken that time to do that, to sit in on conference calls with you know the commercial rights holder to talk about the bigger campaigns, to to set up like you touched upon the Hamilton Foundation, to to really give Black Lives Matter, um, make it, uh, give it visibility uh, using his platform. I think that his ability to do all of those things and realise that it's not just about sport, it's not just about winning. It's about he's been, he's had to work hard to where he's got to, and now he kind of wants to give young people the same opportunity or at least make people aware that this was a problem for him and therefore he wants to make sure that it's not a problem if he can for others and I think that that's it's a very brave thing to do Um, and he does often talk about being lonely and being the only person and the only voice to to be doing that at the moment and he's consistently (coughs) doing it and um, I think that people should quite be quite proud of what he's doing. He should be very proud of what he's doing because he he isn't taking no for an answer. He's he's going to keep pushing um, and pushing and pushing. And I think that's probably a large reason why he's probably going to be around in Formula One for a lot longer than he had previously anticipated. Because it's probably not about the winning anymore. It's about um, making sure that the campaigns or what he feels needs to change in the world he's using his platform to do that and if anything the racing's a release from all of that yeah agree completely not a huge amount um to add to those two points because i think um it covers everything so well but it is so fitting for his legacy and i think this is probably what however long lewis goes on for is certainly it's already what i've started thinking is that it's always said he's the only black driver in formula one and it's so significant and so impressive that when he leaves formula one his records are just going to be on a completely different planet to everybody else. And, you know, it it, it kind of, I don't know, it, it just seems super impressive that that's happened. You know, a lot of other sports, you you have a lot of different races taking, taking part in those events. But the fact that Lewis stands alone, both in terms of race, but now in terms of achievement, I think is, is actually something that the more you think about it, the more impressive it is. Um, he's become really good at um, getting his point across in quite an eloquent way as well, which when you're on one side of a very controversial issue or contentious issue can be difficult to do because it's very easy to get frustrated when other people don't share the same view as you. And I think that through the year we we saw when other drivers were maybe raising objections to kneeling before races, that was one point in the year when I think the Lewis of 2012 or 2013 might have made that such an issue in his head. It might have become such a thing that infuriated him. It might have distracted from what he was doing, but he clearly had very you know measured, eloquent talks with the other drivers and understood their viewpoint still disagreed with it and moved on and said look it's not about just these other guys it's about getting this message out so he has been really impressive in this stuff and we we're quite lucky in that we hear pretty much everything he says and um it can some you know sometimes individual snippets go out in the media that can give a bad impression of him but from everything i've heard from him this year i think he's grown hugely as a person um, and actually, a lot of the things I've learned about the world this year and about race have kind of been triggered by something I've heard Lewis say, which I think is a huge testament to him, because if he's educating people, like like Lawrence said, then that ultimately is way more important than a, than a race win or an F1 championship. I think I definitely agree as well with, with Lawrence. I think for, for me, what stands out from Lewis is, is really his bravery to constantly speak up, because we know how taxing and exhausting that can be i mean even just just for me um as well i mean just bringing the comparison i have a great friend of mine ebony rainford brent who's the first black woman to play cricket for england and um i speak with her all the time and we've spoken to her recently for espn too and she says that um for so long up until this year rather this summer when people would bring up the stat that she's still the only black woman to have played cricket for england won a world cup etc she's she was almost embarrassed Um, She would try to sweep it under the rug because it it made her feel like this specimen and it made her feel like she was only getting recognition because of this, you know. And she said it was only until really that I saw how Lewis Hamilton embraced this. And she doesn't even really watch Formula One. She says straight up, I only just watch to see if Lewis Hamilton wins or what he's going to say. And now she's campaigned 
so much as well for Black Lives Matter and for um, changing the game of cricket, at least. Um, and she says it was only until she saw how he embraced it. And it's not to say that he probably didn't feel the same insecurities she felt, the same embarrassment she felt, but it's just to see how he's able to, to take that um, raw emotion and, and not be afraid, I think, to show it to the world and be like, look, this is how I have been hurt. And I think people need to see that and need to see it from the level that he has, the platform that he has that truly um, has helped so many other people, I suppose, open their eyes to the current problems going on um, in the world. And with that said, because of his character, because of what he does off the track, um, we know he also does try to change Formula One itself, the sport. So for you guys, um, what, how much of an impact do you think he has had or continues to have or will continue to have on just how the sport is is run from top to bottom? I think it's it's going to be huge, and I think it already is huge. Um, if you ask a lot of people in the street and you mention Formula One, the name they'll come back to you with is, is Lewis Hamilton. And that says an awful lot, and that gives him uh, a huge amount of responsibility as well. But he's he's taken that responsibility and he's running with it, and he's running with it with causes which I think most of us would agree are, are very positive things for the world. Uh, last year, the big talk was um, about the environment and how Formula One needs to do more. And after that, F1 then put in place, you know, this carbon neutral plan. And sure, they probably would have done it anyway, because that's the way the world's going. And F1 is so well connected with the motor industry that it needed to do something along those lines. But Lewis really kind of led the argument on that one as well. And he got a huge amount of um, flack for that. You know, a lot of people pointing out, well, your job is racing a Formula One car around in circles. How can you then turn around and tell people to switch to electric cars or go vegan or whatever. And, you know, it was a case of him saying, well, look, I, I am where I am. You know, I, I built my reputation where I built it. I'm now using this platform to uh, to help. And F1 um, is not going to go electric. And there's still big questions as to whether electric is the right way forward. But, you know, the, the use of biofuels all of a sudden has become an incredibly important thing in Formula One. Uh, you know, and then it goes down to much smaller stuff like not using one-use plastic and stuff like that. That's on F1's agenda of things to change uh, in the next few years. So um, I think he's he's having a massive impact on it. And I think uh, it's important because if we don't have people like that who are so well-known outside of Formula 1 championing those things in Formula 1, Formula 1 will quickly become irrelevant. You know, it doesn't... <laughs> you know, if you look at it from the outside driving racing cars around in circles, around the world, flying it everywhere. You know, it doesn't really fit in with the future of the world necessarily. It does, it, you know, what's it going to add at a time when really more and more we need, you know, everything to kind of have a purpose. At least that's the way, you know, a, a lot of people are geared. So to have someone like Lewis championing stuff like that is incredibly important for the sport. And I think it could be the difference uh, between Formula One success in the future and not. And it, we're very lucky, I think, to have someone like Lewis who's willing to talk about that kind of stuff and uh, and get get the message out there. Uh, he's not alone in you know some regards. Sebastian Vettel, I think, is often a very good spokesman for the sport. But then you look at Seb and he doesn't have a social media following, for example. So he doesn't quite cut through in ways that Lewis does. So Lewis is that whole package. And I think that is, you know, us Formula One, if we can call ourselves Formula One as a collective, we should be very grateful that we've got a world champion, a guy who's so successful, who's willing willing to take that on. He doesn't have to. I think he's been along those same lines. He's been inspirational, and I think he he's that he's that role model for people to. If he says it, and then he's going about and is doing it, and he keeps pushing, and, and he won't give up. I think people are more in light and more likely to to, to get behind him. Um, I think his his just refusal to to be beaten, and often when you were talking about, you mentioned earlier, Alexis, that his ability to want to just win things quicker and get things done quicker. He kind of wants to do the same with all of these causes. He he he's accelerated the process, and like the other Lawrence said, uh, Formula One and the teams they probably would have got around to doing various things at some stage. But Lewis is impatient, but in a good way, and he's trying to accelerate, use himself and his profile to accelerate these movements much quicker because he knows that he won't be around in Formula 1 for, for forever so he may as well try and do as much as he can and hopefully leave a legacy before before he goes because who knows when we're going to get the next Lewis Hamilton we've got great drivers coming through but I'm not sure when we're going to get 
the next kind of the sports person who transcends the sport and has the bravery and the commitment to do what Lewis is doing right now. So I think he takes great responsibility <clears throat> in that. Um, uh, he's just a very impressive character. Yeah, and it's always amazing the people that Lewis is associating with in his own time. Uh, you know, I remember last year he drove Odell Beckham around Monaco. You know, just he basically gave him a tour and was like, "Here's a, you know, here's an F1 weekend." And you put, you know, he he did music with Christina Aguilera. He's done all kinds of things. You know, he works with Tommy Hilfiger um, on a fashion range. And if you put any other driver in that scenario, you're like, "Well, that wouldn't happen. They wouldn't even come close to doing that." Um, I always think this this from this perspective is if you look since Drive to Survive, Danny Ricardo's become a bit of a bigger name, but that's still like minuscule compared to what Lewis is, is globally. You know, people might know Danny Rick if they've seen Netflix, but that's probably about it. They might have seen him in a few other things. But Lewis, you know, I mean, he was on the Late Late Show this weekend in a, in America, which other drivers just don't do. So he does have that cut through that other people just don't have. Um, and yeah, like he. <laughs> Yeah, he hangs out with these people. I remember seeing a picture of him with Neymar, and he was just like, "Yeah, just hanging out with Neymar today." And it's just like, what? Like that's just so bizarre that that's just you know a mate that's just you know on his phone that he'll get messages from. Um, when we spoke to Gasly on this podcast earlier this year, he spoke uh, on that about the advice that he gets from Lewis and how important that is to hear it from a guy like that. Um, so I think that it you can almost downplay you know, what he means to people, but I think there is a. There is a lot of there are a lot of people that look at Lewis and just think like this guy is like you know easily the best doing this right now. So anything he can tell them, anything he can, any advice he can give to them, or even if they can just hang out with him for a bit, it seems like he's just got like an infectious personality for a lot of people, which again sets him apart from so many other people because Vettel is very secretive, very private, and Schumacher was actually quite similar to that as well. He didn't his name I think resonated, but people didn't really know much about him. He didn't have you know that kind of global star power that Lewis did. So. F1 hasn't really had a driver like this for a very long time. Funny you should say that because I always wonder that too because I know obviously working in football I know that um, English is not Neymar's preferred way of communicating like at all like period so unless Lewis knows Portuguese or Spanish or French fluently behind the scenes which why would I ever doubt Lewis Hamilton to it's amazing to know that they hung out because I always want to know like was there a translator involved but it's as you said sometimes just being in someone's presence in someone's aura just just says it all for you and you can see obviously there's a lot of um, from the tributes that came in respect um, for Lewis where a lot of people say like myself growing up in the Caribbean I didn't know anything about Formula One apart from Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton and I said I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton because I know he's got Caribbean heritage and, and that was pretty much it literally and that's I can speak for a lot of people as well in the Caribbean that's, that's all they will know probably up till now um, about Formula One with all due respect to all the other drivers too and I think he's definitely someone that we would love to see stay in the sports even when he does decide to if you can hang up your racing car <laughs> I'm sure he could hang it on his wall though um, eventually when that time happens but luckily as he's said before and as he told Lawrence recently he feels like he's just getting started I'm not sure what that means for the other drivers but I know comparison is a thief of joy but guys the question has to be asked because people are starting to ask it now is he the GOAT is he the greatest of all time because at the rate rate he's going um, knowing that he says he feels like he's just getting started we're expecting him to continue next year and probably the year after and if he's in this kind of destructive dominating form why wouldn't he um, break Schumacher's record of Formula One titles and then the stats will speak for themselves on paper he should be called the GOAT but I know there's different times different eras different characters um, and this is such a tough question in any sporting discipline but where do you guys stand or have you even started to think of that conversation yet just just let me know let's be honest now <laughs> so I'm going to jump straight in and say I think he is and I'm going to explain the reason why. It's kind of what I just spoke about, about how big he has become beyond F1. And if you actually look at the GOAT debate across all sports, there are a lot of occasions where people say, I don't, like basketball, again, is a great example. I've, watched, I've read and watched so much about Michael Jordan since the last dance, but there are people who will say LeBron James could literally win every championship between now and the end of time, and Michael Jordan's still the greatest of all time because of what he did and what he meant and what he... Just the way he changed basketball makes he's, means he's the greatest ever. Same with Federer. You know, Nadal might finish with more than him, but 
Federer means so much more to people just because of the way he played, the way he kind of changed the game a bit when he did. Um, you can go on and on through those lists. And Tiger Woods is the same in golf. You know, for so many people, it's like, well, it's Tiger and then it's everybody else. I'm not a huge golf fan, so if I've upset anyone there, apologies. But, you know, for me, everyone I speak to always says Tiger is the greatest. And I think that, you know, you can talk about Senna and I think everyone here... Um, we weren't old enough to see Senna and Clark, which is always kind of the caveat there. But I know for a fact that those guys were huge in motor racing circles and Senna had a huge legacy back home. But again, it didn't cut through globally, I don't think, in the same way Lewis has. And it's easier to do that now because of the way things are. Um, but also Lewis has made that happen for himself. And the fact he's so good on track, he's so good at doing all these things we've talked about off track, um, I would I would put my neck on the line and say it does make him the GOAT. Um, and again, that's the great thing with the debate is that people can disagree. And, you know, me saying that doesn't mean he is the GOAT. It just means that I think if I tell people, I'll be like, well, I think he is. Um, because there's so much to consider with him and not a lot of things to really count against him. Because if you look at Schumacher and Senna, this is the other thing I always say from their on-track legacies. Hamilton's never driven another driver off the track to win a championship, which those guys did. And I think it's a big... Or to try and win a championship. And I think that's a big blot on their careers as well. So, you know, Lewis... Yeah, Lewis has everything you'd want from a goat candidate, in my opinion. But happy to happy to hear contrary opinions, obviously. <laughs> um, I'm with you, Nate, and you've explained it very well. You've left me with very li- <laughs> you've left me with very little. Sorry, else sorry. To, to, I got quite carried say. away as I was explaining it, and I was like, you know what? I'm just I loved go, it. Just this is going. the most passionate I've seen Nate in a hot minute. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think just to pick up on the point that Nate touched upon that it's it's not just about what he's done on track I think Lewis it's about every it's that he's the whole package and that he's willing to to fight battles on on many fronts at the same time as dominating a Formula One World Championship I personally think he's had tougher teammates to beat um, I think that while he had, might not have had the same competition perhaps for all of these titles as as others like Schumacher and Senna and Prost I think that his consistency is is out of this world like I'm pretty sure he's finished 80 out of the last 81 Grand Prix he's on an immense run of like more than 40 points finishes I know that he's got the best car but Bottas doesn't have the same record like he's got to do what he's got to do with the car that he's got and and he's smashing it out of the park and I, I just can't see how he's not the greatest like statistically he's almost the greatest in every single statistic that exists um, I just I, I know that you can't compare against generations but I think he goes beyond being the greatest in Formula 1 I think he's one of the greatest sports people we've ever seen across all sports um, and you know he's a handful of other athletes are, are up there in that realm um, and I think we should be celebrating him Lasnaldo Well I'm glad you two guys had so much conviction because I uh, wrote a piece about this the other day I was only comparing Schumacher and Hamilton I didn't even get into the centre and so on because They've both won seven world titles and uh, it was a complete cop-out. I just left it up to the readers to decide because I said it all depends (laughs) on what you value as greatness. You know, do you value it as what's going on outside? Are you valuing it based on, you know, how fast they are in the car and stuff like that? And uh, it's it's a really hard one, uh, really hard one to gauge. Uh, But I will say he's the greatest of his era and there's so much to appreciate about Lewis Hamilton right now and what he's doing. The, the question's kind of irrelevant. You know, he is, he's great in himself. Uh, but in the same way that Schumacher was, you know, Schumacher did a huge amount of charitable work behind the scenes. Uh, he was pre-social media, so he never really used his voice in that way. But the things that mattered to him and a lot of important causes mattered to him, he dedicated time and money to. The same is true of Senna. You know, Senna worked incredibly hard for poor people in Brazil that, you know, he felt needed to be given a better chance and uh, of course died very young so who knows what he would have achieved had he continued uh, and had he survived Imola 94 so impossible question to ask but uh, to answer sorry um so i'm i'm just going to leave it there as a bit of a cop out but i th- there's no doubt in my mind that Lewis Hamilton is great he is you know for the people that we see in public sports people you know and actors and famous people whatever He's doing everything that you would expect of a role model. And that is remarkable. And that makes him a great person. Greatest of all time, well, you know, you, you can make one argument on one day, one argument on the other. And I think it's it's not really the important thing. The important thing is to appreciate him for what he's doing. And the funny thing with the debate as well is that people think if you say Lewis is the greatest, you're somehow saying that Senna and Schumacher were rubbish, you know, which 
if someone says Ronaldo's better than Messi, they're not saying Messi's rubbish. They're saying I just prefer Ronaldo. So I think it is a funny, funny old debate because it seems to, you know, get people more angry than passionate, which is a strange one. <laughs> it's a strange one indeed. I suppose, as Lawrence said, he's just overall he's just obviously an amazing person, amazing athlete, amazing individual. So that in and of itself should be appreciated. While we still do um, have him active and and can't wait to see exactly what more numbers he starts to obliterate because we know they're absolutely coming and one day we'll get Lawrence off of that fence that he's sitting on. Don't you wait probably by the end of next season if Lewis wraps up yet another Formula One title but we will see. In the meantime guys thank you so so much to Lawrence Barretta for joining us for this one. I'm fresh off of his Lewis Hamilton interview for F1 TV. That was absolutely a brilliant one. Very candid Lawrence so props to you. You're a little goat yourself right there. And thanks to my goat farm here that I've got, Lawrence Edmondson and Nate Saunders. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. Hope you enjoy this Lewis Hamilton special because it's truly remarkable to see exactly what he's accomplished. And we continue to enjoy the ride to see what more he can do. We'll be back again soon. Bye.